episode 102 of Rebel City Podcast. Um, this week we are following up from a recent episode with Councillor Kim Long, um, standing for uh, Holyrood this year, um, with Kieran O'Neill, um, who will be standing in Glasgow for the Scottish Labour Party. Um, Kieran, thanks very much for taking the time out of the campaign to come and speak to us. Thanks for having me on, guys. Not all, man. Um, how's things? Aye, well, I mean... Covid, uh, life, you know, it's a bit, it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's not really a great time to be having an election, is it? We've all got, we've all got enough going on at the minute, and uh, I'm, having, I'm having, I'm spending a lot of time speaking to people mostly on the phone, going, "How are you getting on?" You're like, "Well, how do you think I'm getting on?" Um, but I, no, very excited to be the the Labour and Co-op candidate for Maryland Springburn, which is the part of the city where I grew up and where I live, um, and you know, it's ten weeks to date Poland Day, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to getting out there. Well might be getting out there on a digital doorstep, so yeah. to speak, but just looking forward to, to getting on with it and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. Such a change to things. Um, when we talk about, obviously, that sort of 10-week deadline, um, there is obviously another sort of deadline that's relevant to the Labour Party. I think we're talking uh, 24 hours until um, sort of polls close for the leadership election. Um, we'll obviously, you know, come back around to your journey and how you got to here, but with that being quite a sort of pressing issue, you know, um, I mean... I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to name names, but what would what would you generally like to see for the new Labour, whoever the new leader of the Labour Party is? Aye, um, first thing I would say is, you know, just I've said it before, said again, you know, to pay tribute to Richard Leonard, who who was our leader for the past three years. You know, Richard uh, did put in a shift for the party. He's been he's been uh, uh, active in the movement all his life, and you know, he's uh, he's now getting a getting a well earned dress, so to speak. And I, what I like now, leader, you know, people make jokes. You know, Scottish Labour Party likes a new leader every couple of weeks, um, but what were what, what's happened this time, and it's been quite unusual. The process has been really really short. Um, and it's been really friendly. It's been really comradely. You know, we've got two excellent candidates in Monica and Anas. Uh, they're both friends of mine. I know them both personally. I work with them both. I campaign with them both. Either would be an exceptional leader for the party, um, not just for these elections, but going on past that. Yeah. But I suppose what, what we need is we need somebody that can can bring the party together. Uh, and there's also an element of the party, you know, needs to get behind whoever wins. Um, and, you know, we say that after every election, but we really can't afford to not be united 10 weeks away mm-hmm. from an election. Um, and you need to set out a very clear and um, progressive agenda for, for what Scottish Labour offers the people of Scotland. So before before Richard stood down, we were saying we were going to have the most progressive manifesto of any mainstream party in the history of devolution. Uh, I'm hoping that at the very least, but I'm also hoping that the new leader will bring forward the strategies, how we can uh, win back the trust of people whose support we've inevitably, inevitably lost over the last few years. Mm. Um, and I do think they both have good ideas. They're both good candidates. Uh, and I'm looking forward to working with whoever's successful and campaigning for them to uh, you know, be our leader. Yeah, man. I think one of the most uh, important things for me, I mean, we're talking about we now live a digital life, you know, we're like, and it, it is really important. And we've spoke, I think, as we've been doing the podcast three years now, we started sort of like ignoring Twitter. And as the times went on, you know, like social media, but as times went on, you kind of, I feel like these three years, things are becoming more real, like the opinions that exist there are sort of like real life opinions and bit by bit that's becoming more of the case. But both Monica and Anis are really sort of prevalent on socials. Richard, not so much before his election. And I feel like when he came in, he didn't really get a fair crack 
Um, do you think that's is that a reflection of like his term? Um, I I mean I think I think the fact is you know if you're if you're going to be a, a politician in the twenty first century you need to have a pretty good handle of social media. I mean Twitter Twitter is an absolute binfire. Um, but the fact is, <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, there's no two ways about it. You know, I'm like, I, I, I am on. I am addicted to Twitter. You know, I tried yep. to get up for Lent last year in the middle of a lockdown, and it didn't end well. So I'm trying something easier this year. I'm after booster Lent, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, I think you know, you do need to be really. And one of the things that both of them are talking about is, um, you know, bringing the party, you know, proper digital campaigns, which has got so important. Not just this, but it should always be important. Um, yeah. I know it's one of the things that my campaign in Maryhill Springmans, you know, the sort of a, a, a digital doorstep, you know, a digital campaign. Because the fact is, how many people, um, you know, read newspapers anymore? How many people, um, you know, watch the six o'clock news? How many people will, you know, read their emails? And you compare that amount of people that are on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter that are getting their news, getting their information through there. And there's loads of issues with that. You know, we could we could have a conversation about fake news. It would last about an hour. Um, but, aye. you know, there does have to be. And I do think... We're actually planning a few of them. <laughs> aye, aye. So it's, it's, a, it's really, really, you know, it's, it's important. Um, and, you know, it, it, I think it's fair to say that, you know... Uh, the Scottish Labour Party has kind of been missing in the field sometimes when it comes to digital stuff, um, with a couple of notable exceptions and individuals who are very good at it. So both mm-hmm. the leader, both the candidates seem to recognise how important digital is to, to the party strategy. So I'm, I'm hoping, praying and, you know, everything else that whoever does it will will stick to that. Um, yeah. And that, that, is, that is crucial because the fact is, you know, um, maybe we spend too much time worrying about what's in a press release, but at the end of the day, Nobody sees that, whereas a tweet yeah. or a Facebook post or a video, um, you know, politics is about telling stories. Um, and you need to, you need to go to where people are. You can't kind of hope that, and this this isn't just a we could talk about it in any policy issue. You can't kind of just hope that people will come to where you are. You need to go to them. Uh, exactly. yeah. So I do I do hope that uh, that we're that we're going in the right direction. So I think we are, but you know, it needs it needs proper investment and it needs uh, you know just sometimes we're a bit too old fashioned. You know, we need to take it seriously. Can't kind of just be Absolutely. something we expect. Younger Absolutely. people to do, you know, everyone, everyone. That, so it's a, it's a really important thing, and and you know, this is something so, we've spoke about a lot outside aye. of social media. Is that we're at a, almost like a kind of societal tipping point in a lot of respects. Where again, we touched on it with Kim that you know some of the old ideas about how we organise, even things like how we organise labour, how we, you know, just there's a whole load of things that are new and need a new ideas and need that sort of progressive approach and like aye, aye. Um, and I think, I, think, I'm glad to hear that because definitely see it I've definitely seen it and personally in Monica Lennon's campaign like if I was a Labour member voting that's probably where my vote would be gone personally um, and I hope that that's something that we can definitely see Mary because um, it's definitely you know her policies even Richard Lennon's about the care service and stuff like that mm-hmm. there are good ideas in there within the Labour Party in Scotland that just are not getting Aye, well, the, right I mean, the, the, the National Care Service, which is now the government in a favourite, Labour's been arguing that for 10 years, and before yep. before we argued for it, other political parties argued for it, and it, you know, it's, I think it's uh, Paul Hutchin is the political editor of the Daily Record, you know, makes the point, you know, whenever, whenever you know, one of your policies that we know, we go, oh, this is, you know, they've nicked your policies like that, well, question is, why was nobody interested when you were saying it? So I think that's, a lot of people say that to me, you know, we love Labour's ideas, you know, Labour, Labour talk about the issues that matter, but they just don't. They don't see us as the vehicle to achieve it. Um, you know, I see it as my job as a, 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 certainly in my own neck of the woods, but also wider to, to change that and be part of uh, the generational change that the party needs. North of the yeah, mate. I think that that's that's the the big hurdle that Scottish Labour face and the next leader really faces because I've got a friend that stays in uh, the sort of 
border between Carntine and Ridry. Um, and Paul had went to their door at the last general election and they watched the podcast. They tell me they watch the podcast. Well, no, they do. I don't know. But they'd say, they had said to me, like, we watched the podcast. We liked him because get a bit of his personality. He came to the door, spoke to him for about half an hour, liked his ideas, liked what he was saying. But then it just sort of comes back to, but I can't vote for him. Some. Just because of the, the sort of, the, I think it's a, it's, it's a toxic mix of the want for independence in the country and seeing what the Labour Party did during the 2014 mm. referendum that's kind of like sort of put a couple of nails in a coffin. So I think like, mm-hmm. yeah, we need opposition, we need balance, we need the left in this country. So I'm genuinely hoping that uh, the next leader can actually like achieve some of pulling some of that back. Aye. See, on leadership, um, obviously, one of the big talking points for the sort of wider National Labour Party has um, obviously been Keir Starmer. Um, he's took a bit of stick in the last week or so um, from party members, local party members, um, because of stances on, like, Matt Hancock's position and things like drug policy and that. Like, would you like to see many of these sort of progressive ideals that we're talking about in Scotland make their way to, like, the national level? Because... You know, that disconnect seems present at a national level as well as a local level, does it not? I, no, I, I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Keir, Keir's leader of the UK party had a, won a resounding mandate. You know, it was a bigger bigger mandate, I think, than the one that Jeremy won me in 2015. So there's, I don't think there's any excuse for, for no being bold and no being radical. I think he had 10, 10 pledges to the members. Um, and I, I didn't vote for Keir Starmer, I voted for Lisa Landy, but he's, he is my leader, I support him. Um, he'd be a much better Prime Minister than Boris Johnson, but that, that can't well, really be that can't really be the le- the height of our ambition, being better than Boris Johnson. Uh, um, so I've no, I, I think it was an interview did with, did with somebody in Sky News, I've not seen it, but I understand the gist it was, he said, Matt, he's not calling for Matt Hancock to resign, and um, you know, he doesn't support drug decriminalisation. So first thing in the Matt Hancock, Hancock thing, I think we're in a really, really bad place in our politics when people in power, politicians, uh, people that make decisions, when they do something bad, they don't think they have to resign. Uh, I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think it's sustainable. And, you know, I can I can list a number of examples, you know, whether it was, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Margaret Ferrier, uh, who obviously broke the restrictions, whether it was John Swinney yeah. over the SQ example. You know, I can cite examples from my own party and, you know, other parties, it's not just a oh, case right. of, you know, I can think, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, a, a big part of politics is trust. And, you know, there has to be a recognition that if you, if, you, if there's an egregious, uh, mistake, you should do the right thing, you should step down. Um, yeah. I, it's just basic decency. And what Matt Hancock appears to have done is completely illegal, is completely immoral. Um, and regardless of the horrendous way that the, the, the governments have dealt with COVID and how they respond to that, that alone is reason that he should be handing in his jaws. But they're not going to do it because it's not that's something we need to do. And I don't think... I, I don't know why we aren't we aren't saying it. I think it's, you know there might there'll be a focus group or poll that says oh maybe people are a bit like you know it's a bit like can't criticise them because everyone um, with the vaccine rollout you know we need we need stability and all that. But at the end of the day, yeah. if somebody does if somebody makes a mistake if somebody you know uh, I mean it's corruption effectively what it looks like it's going to Hancock and I don't think there's any place for that. In yeah, politics. yeah, it's um, a bit frustrating when you you see that they're almost certainly about to ride a wave of goodwill as the vaccine and stuff like that roll out. We're starting to see like national polling separate yeah. quite significantly in a lot of cases. And I when we talk Aye. about fake news and all these other things, like lack of accountability is going to be one of the main reasons why people lose faith. And like I'm totally with you on that it needs to matter when you make mistakes. It needs to matter when Aye. you know yeah. you make such like a mess is- out. 
I feel like this is something that's actually prevalent in a sort of British sense of like the establishment or the, the authorities can't actually admit that they've done something wrong. It's like it, it's like a really old school way of thinking of like don't admit, never admit you're you're wrong because then people lose faith in you, like you're supposed right. to lose faith in you. But what they're not realising or what the, I feel like the disconnect happens is, is that in the information age, and we're talking about adapting politics to suit the way that we live our life now, we know so much that goes on that there can be no longer this lack of accountability because this is, this again, I'm going to just echo what Matt said. This is what causes the shit that we've seen in America. This is what causes Brexit. Right. People, the breakdown, lack of trust in the establishment and the institutions leads to this almost like, not like, Nihilism, political nihilism, doesn't matter who you vote for, you're going to get the same shit sort of pushed in your face. When the genie's out the bottle, you know, it's very, very hard to get it back in. Um, mm-hmm. And sorry, just to come back on that point, so I think the second thing that Keir was about drug decriminalisation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, have, I, have, I really struggle to understand how somebody who had a very distinguished, profe- very distinguished career in the legal profession could think that the way that drug laws work in this country work. Um, and I say that for two reasons. One, because um, you know I've got family experience. I'm not going to go into it in here. Of course. Um, and I've, I've seen, I've seen, you know, what, what 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 drugs do to families. And I think you know a lot of people that live in Glasgow, a lot of people that live all over the UK have similar yep. experiences. Um, and also since since I've been selected by a wee bit before that, you know, I've been at Springburn Parish Church. Um, you know, I think you said Natalie from Cisco on your on your podcast. You know. Yep. The no, work, that's the work, sure. uh, Faces a voice in recovery, and you know the the drug death statistics. I just I just don't know how anyone can think that what what we're doing right now is working. Um, and you know I remember I remember going to a, it was um, it was during the general election, um, and it was myself, Paul Sweeney, Monica Lennon, Richard Leonard, and Aileen McKenzie, who's the Labour Council for Springburn. And it was listening to the story. It was it was it was just heartrending. You know it, 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 these are it, you know you get the thing when you talk about drugs, people go oh god junkies you know if there's a word that could strike for the dictionary it would be that one um yeah you know at the end of the day this is this is people's families you know it's mums and dads sons and daughters um and i'm sorry it isn't working um and yeah. for every single moment that we refuse to accept what needs to be done more people are going to die and more families mm-hmm. are going to be torn apart so kira's wrong in that i've said kira's wrong in it um but at the end what i'd say is in the labor party the leader doesn't make con- make policy conference does um, yeah and I'm confident conference will uh, will set the record straight on that when when it meets. Um, and you know I'll, I'll certainly be wanting to make that happen, and a lot of people will. Excellent. I think that's really refreshing to hear. We've heard people not tow their party line or whatever, but I think it's that's really good for people to hear yeah. somebody that's running for office in this country disagree because I think I feel like in this time as well we can't disagree. Oh, we feel like we aye. can't disagree aye. with each other. It's almost like this: if you disagree with me, then I hate you. Type thing. Uh, we I know we do. We, we do definitely. I mean, I'm I'm bad as anyone for for towing the party line. You know, I, I'm I'm a big believer in collectivism and you know all that. What I would say is drug decriminalisation, Scottish policy. 
um, Monica yep. steered that through her. Um, you know, it was actually a blinder when we pulled that off. So, I mean, I, I am advocating party policy. Um, yeah. I, that's one of the good things about the Labour Party, which I don't think other political parties do. You know, the fact is we do love an argument in the Labour Party, but that's because we're no one thing. You know, we're a collection of trade unions, um, you know, socialist societies. You know, it's, it's a big melting pot. It's a crucible. Mm-hmm. So it's good there is no odds idea. And we will have a, we will have a debate and conference. We'll, we'll, we'll sort that out. Um, but, I, you know, at the end of the day, I repeat the point. I just don't know how you can look at the current situation, especially when you've you know you've worked in the legal profession and think, oh, this is fine. This is totally fine. Um, exactly. So I'm, I'm confident I'm confident that that issue will, will be resolved at conference. I think it's something that is one of the areas like national care where the actual Scottish Labour Party has been quite strong on it in the last couple of years. And um, as, as I would say, just how the parties perceived up here is, is a lot of folk have maybe missed it. But mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've hit you a couple of party-related stuff up front. And obviously, normally we, we like to let folk get into their, their stories. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of bring it back a wee bit, all right? Um, and just ask you, like, so like, where did, the, where did your political journey start? Um. I know probably everyone you speak to about politics says this, but I, I never had any ambitions of getting involved in any of this. And some days I wake up and I'm like, why the hell did I let myself get involved in this bloody mess? Uh, but no, I, I didn't. I, never, I was never really political. I mean, um, you know, I, I did drama at school, you know, and I went to, I went to, um, I went to RCS for uni straight at 17. Uh, some people say I'm in a different type of show business now, which I can't <laughs> That's what I was thinking, mate. I'm politics is show business for ugly people. So uh, just as well, this is a podcast and not a record, you know, a video. Um, but I, no, it was never something, it was never something, I mean, I had, I had opinions, you know, I, I, you know I'm, quite, I'm quite a mouthy guy uh, and I'm a gossip, so to speak. So I did, I, I've never had a problem telling people what I think or the issues. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until, so I'm 23, um, but uh, the referendum in 2014, I was 16, so it was the first time I could ever vote. And um, I think originally I started off going, oh, I'm going to vote no, because, you know, it's just the status quo. And then uh, I got more involved in stuff. So I was, I was, like I said, I was really involved in the arts and quite a lot of people, as I'm sure you'll know, in the creative industries were, were very pro-independence, big, big yes voting community in the arts, mm-hmm. things like the National Collective. So I looked into it a bit more and I got interested in, I suppose, the referendum and the idea of, of Scotland becoming independent was, was what politicised me. It's what got me involved in the political process. Um, it didn't do a lot of campaigning, but it was like a, a social media warrior, so to speak, had all these opinions, you know, early days of a better nation um, very, very hopeful very optimistic and you know hope, hope's, a, hope's a big part of my politics I would say I mean if you can't kind of offer people hope in politics we're doomed Aye, um, exactly. so that, that that was that was that was probably you know that, that's kind of what got, got my foot in the door so to speak but I was never you know I never I was never at school you know I didn't take an interest in politics or modern studies like that to, to my sixth year after the referendum um, and it was it was never something like it was never something that I wanted I wanted to do, you know, I got involved in different youth work groups, you know, I, I did youth work, um, got involved with a couple of charities, did like political activism and try to, you know, things like votes at 16, stuff like that, all the sort of obvious yeah. stuff. Um, and I, so it was never, it really was never something I planned to do. And, you know, I, I, I say this quite a lot. If you told me five years ago, um, before I got involved in the referendum or six, how many, seven years ago, sorry, that I'd be a candidate for the Labour Party for the Scottish Parliament. Uh, the Labour and Cooperative Party, sorry, the Scottish Parliament, I would have probably laughed at you. Um, but through a, a strange series of events and stuff that's happened to me in my life, that it's where I am. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Uh, but I, so politics is, it just kind of happened to me, I suppose. I think politics happens to everyone. I think, um, mm-hmm. So it's just, 
uh, it, it, I, it was weird. You know, I kind of it was never. It really was never something I planned on doing. Um, but I feel like a bit of a late bloomer. Like usually when we ask the question, it's like. I was flying a red flag for the tram with my mom and no, like... that's the thing. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got really, really good pals that you know went, went in, went in marches. You know, went to Mayday in their buggy went against the Iraq War. Um, and I, I've not got a political family. You know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the oldest of six. Um, right. You know, we're, we're um, a big family, uh, and you know, we, we never. I mean, raised well, good values or that, but never really like. Or you need to vote Labour, or you need to vote SNP, or, or this stuff. Mm. You know, um, no politics. So it was uh, all my politics. You know, I learned myself, or I learned through people that I met. Um, you know, it's no, and I, I certainly don't get my politics through. You know, uh, politics books because uh, I contradict myself quite a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I, but I, no, I, I suppose I, I suppose I was a wee bit of a late bloomer, but I think you could say I've, I've made up for it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's that's encouraging for me to hear because. I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of people sort of like aiming to get into politics. Do you know what I mean? Like, Aye, I, think, no, um... I think that the movie series The Omen was almost like a metaphor for like that type of grooming a young people to move into like power later on that basically you're the antichrist if you want to do that but I might if Avi Satani, <laughs> Satani starts playing at any point during this um, we'll well, no, uh, but I know it's, it's quite funny. You know, one of the things one of the things I get quite a lot, um, both through some people on my own party don't like me, and people that is like, that, "Oh, you're a you're a careerist." Um, I'm like, I, I just kind of look at them. I'm like, mate, see if I was a careerist, would I be in the Labour Party? <laughs> you know, I mean, I, 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 in in Scotland after the referendum, um, you know, I'm, I'm no day, I'm no doing I'm no doing this for a career. I'm doing it because it's what I believe in. It's what I, what I think's right, and I realise that. A lot of people don't agree with me, but I'm really up for having a chat with them. Um, no, but I know I did, I, you know that's certainly that's certainly something that you know I hear, hear that a lot. People say it because my age as well, because oh, you know what what life experience have you got, and I'm like, uh, I mean, you'd be amazed how much life experience gets thrown at you growing up in Postal. Well, uh, so, life, meets you, life meets you head on. Definitely. Aye, aye, no, definitely. Um, so I think this aye. is something that actually leads quite nicely into the sort of next sort of talking point, like. We came long, uh, the Greens. We sort of came to this sort of conclusion about authenticity and our politicians and lived experience. And like you'd mentioned Natalie there um, for Cisco, that was something that she had said, like, well, I'm just wee Natalie with the Anno. And I was like, you're exactly the type of people that I want to see running for pol in politics and to become a politician because you're going to have way more weight with your lived experience. You know what these people go through. Like we're talking about the drug policy. Who better to actually contribute to a drug policy than somebody that's went through the horrific experience of drug addiction? But do you feel yourself that that type of authenticity and that type of sort of grassroots in, re in the real world is something that you would like to see in your politicians? I, I definitely. Um, you know, it, it, it's really, really important. I think you know when you look at when you look at the. Scottish Parliament or the the Scottish MPs and House of Commons at the minute, or even even in local councils, how how many people do you look at and you go, you're like me, um, or, or you know you've no you know the experiences that I've faced and the challenges that, that my family have put up with. We've spoke to um, six of them. Aye, <laughs> uh, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of really good people in in politics right across the political spectrum who hardly, but there's there's not enough of them, um, and you know it's it's a big. Uh, 
yeah, I, I don't like describing myself as authentic because it sounds, I think it sounds quite, you know, blah. But a lot, a lot of people say that to me. Um, I, I don't know why. Maybe they're my son. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you well, know I'll gonna, tell you I'm something, gonna... mate. Me and Matt actually had a, a private conversation that Matt doesn't mind me talking about about your DMs, and I was like, it's so refreshing for somebody to just reply sound, like an actual person <laughs> in front of a political office to, to reply, all right, cool, sound. And then when you come into the, the Zoom call and you were like, all right, how's it going? I'm going to say you're authentic because I, I feel like that's true. Like you've got a Glasgow right. accent. You're no gentrifying your accent. You're replying to DMs as you. You're no trying to be all sort of formal. So, no, you're an authentic person, mate, like as far as my I would experience say so. is. Aye, be quite, aye, I'll need to start changing my accent now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> modify it on the phones. Uh, no, no, that's, I, pre- I appreciate that. Um, but I know it's, it's really important. And, you know, it's, it's not just about authenticity. It's, a, it's actually about... You know, one of the one of the my colleague Pam, uh, who is a is a list candidate in Glasgow, she always has yep. uh, she had, she's a disabled woman, she's in a wheelchair. Um, one of the things she always says is politics is about is about decisions, and you know, and for and you know about if you don't have a seat at the table, it's often because you're on the menu. Uh, and that, that that really that that always you know that I think that's a really really important point. So you know, politics yeah. has to be representative, but also you know I think the thing is, uh, you know, I, I don't see the point in. Uh, and, and no being straight with people and no being honest, you know, for example, I'm sure there'll be times in this discussion where we will not agree, but I'm not going to pretend that for the, for the, you know, just for the, I think you just course. have to be, you need to be honest with people, you need to be straight. Listen, we don't, we might not agree on one issue, whether it's, say, for example, the constitution or tax or, you know, another issue, a substantive policy. Um, but there's a hell of a lot we all agree on. Um, and we've got a hell of a lot in common, whether it's, you yeah. know, how we were brought up, where we were brought up. Um, and I don't think there's enough of that, particularly in the Scottish Parliament at the minute. And that's certainly one of the things that I'd, I'd look to bring at the table if I was fortunate enough Same. to be elected as Mayor of Spindle's MSP. That factionalism has become counterproductive in a lot of senses where, as we've just been saying, you know, one party of power can mm. essentially plagiarise the other's good ideals, you know what I mean? Like, right. um, I mean mm-hmm. And get away with it. But in terms of, we'll, we'll circle back around a wee bit to the, the campaign, but... Just what I thought, because you, you just kind of touched on what you'd like to maybe hopefully achieve if you were successful in your election. Um, what what other priorities would you say you had if there was like a kind of ideal world scenario? I know obviously there's going to be ups and downs, but what would you know your top priorities ideally be? Um, so one of, one of the reasons one of the reasons I stood um, I went I went to school in Wynford, which is in Mary Hill. I, I don't know if you know it, the old army barracks. Um, I know it, I. <clears throat> I went to primary school there. Great, great, great part of the world. Great, great community. Um, and if I walk 10 minutes up the road, up Kelvindale Road, down to Clevedon, my life expectancy increased 20 years. Um, you know, I think, that, I think that's one of the major... My big thing in politics is ending child poverty and not just saying ending it because it looks good in a leaflet, ending it because, um, you know, for as long as child poverty is a factor in the fifth richest country in the world and one of the biggest cities in the fifth richest country in the world, working-class kids are going to be locked out of opportunities that they could never have, you know, in, inside every, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to paraphrase quote because I might, but it's this argument that, um, you know, the next scientists, the next athletes, all these are, are there and there's just no the opportunities. So end, ending child poverty and being serious about that. Um, yeah. And I don't I don't think the current government, uh, you know, are doing enough, not not doing nearly enough to tackle that. So in Mary Hill and Springburn, I think it's uh, nearly, nearly four out of ten kids are living in poverty, going to bed hungry at night. I, I, I just, I just can't 
fathom how that's when that's happening. It's insane, you know. That this is this is and see the thing is it's not just that, it's it's how it's how stark the difference is. So you know, I use the example of Kelvin Dale and Wingford, but there's loads of pieces. See see if you walk just a couple of minutes, the difference in life expect the difference in your life Why? chances. I mean yeah. the SKA the SKA results that you know codified that it showed you, you know, or you go to that school, right, marked down forty percent. Um, and they literally drew you a map. Aye, they drew a map. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, the inequalities in Scotland. You know, we like to tell ourselves in Scotland we're a, we're a modern, progressive European country. You know, I love all that. I want it to be true. But it, it doesn't meet reality. And it, it, it fries it fries my brain that, you know, that, that we have politicians that could do more, that could that could could use every single lever of power they have at their disposal to do stuff, and they choose not to. And there's a plethora of yeah. reasons as to why that is. Um, and I'm not saying electing one Labour, Labour and Co-op MSP in the north of Glasgow is going to make a difference, but I'd work damn hard and I'd work with other people across all the parties to try and do something about it. And at 20, by 2030, child poverty should be consigned to the dustbin of history in Scotland. Um, I think one, pe- people, one does people make a difference. Aye. Because if we elect one at a time, Sooner or later, we're going to have enough to get it done. So, I mean, that, one that, of the types of things that we can actually do to eradicate child poverty because um, we get quite, we see quite a lot of, and I'm sure that you've seen it yourself when the Tories in Westminster decided to vote against giving free breakfasts or free school meals during um, times when they're not at school. Um, there was there was quite a lot of uproar. Obviously, we've seen Mar- Marcus Rashford get involved. It's taken for like almost celebrities to be politicians to like force mm-hmm. this stuff through. But we did also see a sort of viewpoint of well, why should we when they've got parents there and it's their parents' responsibility, which I do not subscribe to. And and I'm no playing devil's advocate here. No, no, I, but, I get that. I get that. What other things that we can actually do to get to eradicate child poverty? Aye, well, I mean, I mean, there's, 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 there's UK-wide, which is maybe a solidarity point of view for Scotland, because at the end of the day, the only way to stop the Tories is to beat them in a general election, and it's down to my party to do that, and we've failed to do that for the past 10 years. So we need to get act together and kick that shower up. Go watch my language. Kick the... Yeah. Aye, well, we can I, say I, it. I, you can say like... it. You can say <laughs> it. Uh, to, to actually drag them kicking and screaming out of Downing Street. So that, that's, that's our collective job to do that. Um, and I do think, you know, it, it shouldn't take for Marcus Rashford, great guy, real inspiration, shouldn't take for a footballer to come out and say that, you know, kids kids should be fed. Yeah. You know, this is, this, it's 2021, there should be simple, basic things that we all agree. Every single person should be able to live with dignity and free free, free, free insecurity and fear. I don't think mm-hmm. that's, I don't think that's radical in a country as rich as the UK. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, but in Scotland, Jesus Christ, we could do so much more. So for starters, why are we not topping up every single benefit that the Tories cut? Why do we not end the rape clause? Why do we not end the two-child cap? Why do we not add thirty pound on a universal credit and effectively create a universal basic income for everyone? You know, why are we just not trying to do stuff? So the Scottish child payment, which is good, you know, it's been described as a game changer by things like the poverty lines. I welcome the Scottish child payment. Let's increase it. Let's make it thirty pound a week. You know, let let let. It, it, it is the complicated. There's only one way to get yourself out of, out of poverty: spend money and spend it early and spend it on the people that need it. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, there's been plenty of times when when my party and other progressives in the parliament have tried to do action, and and. The, the response to the government seems to be, oh, well, you know, it'd be good to do this, but, you know, we, we shouldn't have to make up for this evil Tory government in Westminster. I'm like, you lot need a history lesson. The reason we have a Scottish Parliament is to get is to deal with a horrible Tory government in Westminster that nobody voted for. 
Um, yeah. So how, how do we use the powers of our parliament? How do, how do we actually make a difference? And how do we stop, you know, cutting services? How do we, you know, things like, you can't cut your way at a crisis. You need to invest in it and you need to invest in people. Yeah. So there's plenty of things that our parliament could do to, to tackle child poverty. But the thing is, it's not going to do it unless we get new people in there that are willing to argue for that. Absolutely. And what about, so just to give you the opportunity, because obviously like, my mind's going to, well, the, this, the, the argument that you're going to predict is going to come here, well, they set the budgets and then they, they come up. So if we do add on money to universal credit, we're going to need to cut that somewhere else. Is that, is that the reality? I mean, no, no, I don't, I don't think it's the reality. Um, I, think, I think politics in the UK, we've, we've got ourselves in this really... I think COVID shows this, you know, it's like, oh, well, we've not got a magic money tree. I'm like, I would eh? mm. <laughs> It's called the Bank of England, you know. Uh, we've got yeah. all, that, all this all this power, you know, one of the largest economies in the world. Why do we not use it? You know, this idea. You know, Theresa May could find, what, a billion, a billion pounds to bribe the DUP, but mm. couldn't they find it to, to provide free school meals? Um, so this argument, and it's also the thing, you know, in Scotland, you know, if we raise the money, they'll cut our budget. I'm like, well, that, that's fine. We find the money. Why Why are the highest earners in Scotland not being asked to pay their fair share? COVID has obviously changed the situation and the argument around tax. But one of, you know, when I first started getting involved in politics, the big thing was people that earn over £150,000 a year should pay 50p on the top rate of tax. And people were argue, the SNP were happy to argue that at a UK level, but no in Scotland where they've got the power to do it. I'm, I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah. Um, so it probably is important to highlight as we're talking that I don't think the Scottish Parliament has the ability to borrow in the same way that Westminster does. Aye, well, the um, Scottish Parliament does need stronger We've got opportunities to raise tax, and I know that a lot on you know the national side of things almost see that as a kind of unionist trap because. They're going to get pummeled for raising taxes if they do it, but obviously on the other side, they're going to get pummeled if they don't because services are going to. So just to kind of like clarify some of that there. Um, I, no, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with that point. The parliament, the parliament needs stronger borrowing powers. The parliament needs borrowing powers of a parliament, and that yeah. that has to, you know, that that is a good point. But they're still, you know, at, at the point about tax. You know, at the end of the day. I think when you ask the vast majority of people in Scotland, do you want world-class public services and do you want people to be safe and secure? You'd be quite happy to pay an extra couple of pounds. You know, it's like, I think, you know, we talk about oh, we trying to get rid of the council tax. And I think the vast majority of people would be up for it. Um, maybe not. If we're asking the government to, if we're asking the government to use their power, we we, have, we obviously aye, need aye, to be but the point, the point, the point, ourselves. Aye, aye, the point about borrowing is very sound, and I agree with you. Um, so that's, that's a fair point. So in terms of, since we're talking about tax and money and whatever else, did I see through the course of the week, just in terms of the campaign, that you absolutely rattled fundraising targets? I, uh, was it like three or four times there? But you'd four four times, four times. Uh, no, it feels brilliant. Um, help, I mean, I've never had Catholic guilt quite like I have when I did that <laughs> crowdfunder. Um, I, I do not like asking people for money. I really, I really don't. Like, no. it, it, it makes my skin crawl. Um, but what I did, obviously, put it up, and you know, I said, "Oh, we'll try to raise a thousand pounds in a month." Uh, by the end of day one, we'd raised over a thousand five hundred. And I'm like, "Holy fuck, uh, yeah. Jesus Christ!" Uh, and you know, it, it was it was a huge. So we've raised we've raised over four thousand pounds, um, uh, and it's just a huge it's a huge confidence boost for me. You know, I, I get really bad imposter syndrome. You know, I'm 23 and I'm standing for Parliament, first time ever doing it. Like, I'm sometimes I, I, you know, I'm like, "What the hell am I doing?" Um, it was a huge, it was a huge, not just a boost of confidence in me, but in our, in our campaign, you know, we're we are trying to run a really good campaign in Mary Hill and Springburn. Um, and with COVID and everything, it's, it's just, it, you know, it, it's really hard and it's really expensive. Um, and the average donation, was, you know, the thing is, like, people, 
people are like, oh, I keep getting leaflets for Douglas Ross. How have I not had any for Labour? I'm like, well, the Tories don't have a problem with money, but Labour, and particularly in, in mass ELP, my, my branch, um, really, really poor part of the city. Our members don't have, can't fork over thousands of pounds. So average nation's a five or a tenner, and it, it, it's built up. Um, and, you know, I, 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 can't, I really can't, I can't get my head on it. It's, it's been brilliant. Um, but it show, I think it shows that people think that you know, it's worth it's a cat it's a it's a fight worth fighting. It's a it's worth chipping in to the, the fighting funds, so to speak. I think that's going to be pretty pleasing for, for you know, obviously your background's point of view that there are those small donations. I know when we've seen the, the fundraising target being hit, I was a bit like, hmm, I wonder where that came from because that's just my cynical brain working in overdrive. But at the same time to hear that it was for small donors is something that can only really sort of validate your position that the people of that area they actually like have faith I, I mean, in you. I mean, there was there was there was a there was a few comrades who 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 are, who are better off and were incredibly generous. So I'm no I'm no say like you know there were that people that, that gave Soros? away. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was uh, a joke. <laughs> I. Um, Aye, but so, you know it's no, you know, but it was the majority was small donators, fivers and tenors. Some people were very generous with their cash, and you know were very, you know, didn't want to make a big song and dance about it. Um, but it was, it was a huge, you know, vote of confidence in us and our campaign team and, and Zara and, and, and my mate who's a sort of fundraising lead. Pretty scary woman, so I think a lot of people knew better than to know the no chip in. So she, uh, she's, she's, uh, she's hype woman in chief. So she, she did a, we did, we did great. Um, but like I say, you know, this election's that COVID it just makes everything so much more expensive. So that money's not going to be there for much longer. So I'm going to, need to try and try and mm. make it last. How is the feeling in the camp at the moment? Um, like obviously, like that's a great confidence boost that you've hit your 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 the budget because it's a big part of politics is money, I suppose. Like unfortunately, it all, I, unfortunately. But um, how how are you feeling about the campaign overall at the moment? Um, I think I think we're. I mean, I, I was selected in August August twenty nineteen, so I've been doing this for for quite a while. Um, and you know, it was it was a. Uh, I, I didn't expect to win the selection, um, but local members put their trust in me, and I'm. I, you know, it's a, it's a big it's a big honour being a being a you know being a candidate for my party. You know, it's a it's a. I, I, t- I take it really seriously, and I, I try mm-hmm. my best. Um, COVID, without without going in, obviously, COVID's been horrible, and we, you know. Aye. It's been it's been really really frustrating from my point of view as a candidate because the sort of things that I said when I was running for selection I said I'm a I'm a hard worker I will put in a shift um, every weekend we'll be we'll be speaking to people we'll be talking to them in their terms we're not going to talk to any people um, and we've not been able to do that because for most of the year we've been locked down um, so that 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 means we've had we've had and the fact is the election's ten weeks away um, and you know it's getting to a situation where. I, I will not be able to go and knock on anyone's door and ask for their vote. And I might not even be able to deliver leaflets by wearing a face mask and gloves on my own. But that, that's the state we're in. So how... how, yeah. how I, I think there's also a question for democracy. You know, regardless of where you fall in the political spectrum, this election is really, really important for Scotland's future. And if it yeah. can be run... If it can be run like a proper election, you know, like have a proper debate about the future of the country, should we really be having the election in 10, 10 weeks? Um, but obviously, you know... That, 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 We'll find there's a statement in Parliament next week about what's going to happen, but it, it's mm-hmm. looking really. It's going to be. It, it is going to be an election unlike any other. Um, but I think you know uh, we are. We are. I think we've done it. And, and Mary Helen Springburn, we, we've, we've tried. Uh, you know, I've always tried to be an active candidate to, to be at the front, and you know, showing that showing that the Labour Party's changed. You know, um, you know, we are we're under the same party that you know that people associate with. Where 
uh, you know, there are new people that are trying to make a difference and are working in their communities and try to help people. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think, you know, people, people say the polls and go, oh, "You've got no chance." And I'm like, "Well, you know what? You're allowed to think that." Um, I know the conversations I'm having with ordinary people across the across Glasgow. Um, mm. some, there's a bit of change in there. I think people. I, I, I do genuinely think that after after 14 years of one party being in power, that you know, there, there's an appetite for a change. Um, yeah, I mean, there is poll in the day that says, although you know people are still in favour of independence after whatever twenty odd surveys in a row, that the numbers are the, the, the figures are starting to tighten. I think it's you know a lot about what's been going on with the noise in recent weeks and stuff like that. But there has got to be fatigue at this point. I mean, mm. you know, I, I, as I, much I, as we've voted in line with independence and stuff like that in recent years, like there are gaping deficiencies in the government and like wait until independence is just not an acceptable answer when people are suffering and I think that's why it's important that we speak to guys like yourself you know what I mean Aye, aye I mean that, that, that's a whole and you know I think the first time we engaged it was when I did, did that interview with the Nine and you know my whole thing was you know I voted in, I voted yes because I thought the only way to change things was was through that and now I've realised a lot of the things I do want to change could, could be done now um, I appreciate that different people could back that you know it's a bit like when we've got an opportunity to do something why don't we do it why don't we actually and you know I do think I do think folk it's very volatile obviously I think the poll that came out today was, was pretty stark um, mm. and you know I'm sure we'll talk about it but I, I, I don't think an SNP majority government is good for anyone um, you know and I'll use the example one of the things that I worked on quite a lot with um, James Kelly MSP was repealing the football act I think that's a perfect yeah. example of why the SNP effectively can't be trusted with a majority I mean they can't be trusted with a minority either because I can remember you know I've never been more angry um, watching a debate in parliament than when SNP and Tory MSPs voted in the emergency COVID legislation to like block a, block a renters fund not ban evictions yep. no provide um, sector care workers Took the aye. Green Party to actually like save a deal aye. by siding with the Tories. Aye, I mean, uh, if you actually look at who votes with who in the Parliament, Labour and the Greens vote together much more, and the SNP and the Tories. It just depends on the issues. Obviously, there's some pretty big policy differences. Um, but I do like. I think folk are. I think folk are like folk in Scotland have had to vote more times in the past ten years than any other than most democracies, and that's because of. You know, obviously we've got loads of elections, referendums. Um, folk are absolutely scunnered, and I think for a large part of last year, um, people were not interested in party politics. If I went, if I phoned somebody, went, you vote Labour, like that, you know, everything that's going on. So, I think, yeah. you know, we didn't, we didn't talk to people about voting. What we did was we were out campaigning and we were out supporting the the COVID response. You know, I mean, I live in Coastal, mm-hmm. so I was helping young people's futures. I was also trying to help out in Springburn and different parts of Mary Hill, you know, there was loads of like, people just, it wasn't in, wasn't in people's radar, but unfortunately, mm. there was a crucial election 10 weeks away, and we need, to, we need to have that debate, the country needs to have a debate, it aye. needs to have a discussion. Yeah. Um, I think it needs to have an honest debate as well. Aye, you know, aye definitely. Sorry, did on you go? I think like it, the UBI point that you made earlier is a prime example of like um, why people need to be engaged. Like, universal aye. basic income was like a tailor-made solution to what's been going on in the last sort of year. It looks like we'll potentially stretch it to 18 months, maybe potentially two years by the time we, we get to see the other side of this. But um, it, it it felt like there's an easy solution here, but instead the governments have kind of like gave that money, it seems to their pals and businesses, instead of giving Aye. it to people. Um, po- po- politics is about choices, and one of the biggest choices you need to make is who you help. 
um, an athletic side and the, the side that you help the most people with the most, you do the most good for the most people with the time you have. I think it was, it was, it was on a call the other day um, with Senator Sarah McBride, who's the first uh, trans state senator in Delaware, which is obviously Joe Biden's home state. Oh, and she said that. And I, I, speaking I, about her on the show when she got elected. Oh, I, 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 she was brilliant. You know, I, I, I'm not just saying that. Like, I, I go to talks a lot and, you know, particularly with everything that's going on with the GRA and, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the debate around that. It, it was just, it was actually really reaffirming and quite, quite good for the soul, you know, God, politics doesn't have to be about hate and division. You can actually, you know, uh, uh, you, we need that. We need more of that in Scotland. We need more. We need more like unity of purpose. And her talking about, so I, you know, let go back to the point about, you know, I, I don't trust the current government of Scotland or the current political establishment of Scotland mm-hmm. to make political decisions that will work for people like me or my family or people in my community. Yeah, I, I think mean, me, like, like, no, there's no, a level. Sorry, mate. On you go. I'll wait at that. No, on you go. I was going to say that for somebody that. Voted, I've voted SNP since 2014, and I think Matt's the same. Um, but we've had the uh, on the ball, the period, yeah, we had Aaron yeah. on the ball. On we've had Paul Quigley from uh, the uh, football against criminalization. So we've Aye. covered a lot of what we're talking about that the SNP. So it's even when it comes to like an actual policy, and I think this is part of the, the, the issue that Scottish Labour face when it comes to that, when we talk about policies, I'm I'm on board with you, mate. Aye. But it's just the perpetual Tory governments in Westminster that, and the, the disconnect that's happening between England and the rest of the United Kingdom that I feel like they've, they're shifting to the right and we have went more towards the left. And, mm-hmm. I think that this is the big issue when it comes to this is why the Scottish Labour Party not went, we will become the dominant force in this country once we have independence. Like that's what it felt to me actually to all my mates. Get it has my vote no more. SMP, you know what I mean? Like, get independence and then I will start voting Labour again because this yeah. is but it's been kind of like frustrating and annoying for it to not be part of like Scottish Labour going, let's just you know what I mean. Hi. So there's a there's a couple of points there. Uh, so the first the first thing I would say is um, around the the, the Tory the, the issue with the Tories winning the elections. Um, the, the UK is broken, like as a as a political institution. Uh, I yeah. say this a lot. I, I I've said this since since Brexit. Um, you know, it, it, if it Disney change radically under a Labour government that wins the next election, uh, you know, I, I, I remember, I remember, camp, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Paul Sweeney, who's a mate of mine, and I mentioned Pam. So I campaigned for both of them in Glasgow North and Glasgow North East. Two brilliant candidates, Paul's a really hard working MP. I right. would have been a phenomenal MP. Um, Absolutely. We campaigned night and day in the pissing, freezing cold. And we still lost. And, you know, I, I said, I really, really deflated after that. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know how many more times I can go to people's door and tell them they need to vote Labour to get rid of the Tories and we kind of do it. Um, mm. You know, that, 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 that really weighs on my soul, you know, yeah. our, our inability to do that. And, you know, we, I, I don't want to get into the debate about how Labour lost the last election. The fact of is, course. we didn't, not enough people voted for us, right? That, that's a basic arithmetic. More people need to vote for us. Um, I don't think we get more people to vote for us by no arguing for the things we know are right and good. Um, and I also think in Scotland, we need to, we need to kind of, I've said this before, we need to get, you know, when I think, so devolution, it was the 20th anniversary of the Parliament last year, devolution. Um, and, you know, people were sharing this speech that Donald Dewar gave in the first day of the Parliament and, you know, all that, you know, a new voice for the land, you know. Yep. And, and where, is, where, where, where is that, where is that current passion 
in Scottish Labour? Where's that? Where's that constitutional radicalism? Where's and you know the stuff coming through. You know, I, I mean, I, I chair I chair a group called a, a co-chair a, a UK group a faction in the Labour Party called Open Labour. Um, we've got a we've got a book coming out at our conference called uh, we a group called Politics for the Many, um, and. You know, there's a, a my mate Dale McLean, who's actually my my election agent and campaign manager, wrote a really really good chapter in devolution and where we need to go from here. Um, and you know, the fact is, if Labour if Labour can't come forward with a clear plan to totally overhaul the way that Britain's governed, um, mm. Britain won't exist. The UK, sorry, no Britain, the UK. I, I, yeah, I, you know what I mean. That yeah. this polit this political arrangement that we have between the people are uh, different people of these islands will will cease to exist. Um, so that, that's a key point uh, on the well, issue around the uh, sorry mate on you go I was going to say on the devolution one because it is you know it is largely the answer we get when we speak to Labour people is some variance of it right and I get okay. that you know 2014 when Gordon Brown's intervention came and went it, the, on the day it pretty much overnight became a de facto almost referendum on you know further devolution that people went out and, and voted for. Um, obviously, it didn't happen for, you know, numerous reasons, whatever, we'll not get any of those. But, like, I'm not conscious of seeing any polling since then that says anybody in Scotland is interested in devolution, even though I hear it spoke a lot about by Labour Party members and MSPs and MPs and, like, is, I mean, is there evidence that there's an appetite in Scotland for further devolution ahead of independence at this point? I think, well, I think it depends how you frame it. I think the reason nobody's asking a poll about it is because I, I don't think it, it, it suits either the Tory or the SNP narrative. You know, right. at the end of the day, like, I, I, don't, I don't believe in, in devolution as a political form of governance or, you know, more federal, you know, I'm pretty relaxed about what we call it. I don't agree in changing the status quo because mm -hmm. I don't like independence. You know, I don't, I don't really set my politics up in that way. I believe it because yeah. I generally think it, it's, the, it's the best situation and I appreciate that. Other people disagree with, and I'm up. I'm up for having. A, you know, I really do enjoy having a chat with people that don't agree with me. Um, what I would say is, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Tories. It's really one of the things that really get me, particularly the Scottish Tories. I, I really do think they they are. Uh, you know, their politics is just so toxic, and it's about one thing, and it's this sort of Ian Paisley, yes. never, never, never approach. And yes, you know, yeah. like the, the, the Tories love this because the Tory. The, the only reason the Tories have votes left in Scotland is because people that hate the SNP or hate independence vote for them. And, yep. you know, at the end of the day, Labour, Labour can't reply on just no voters. We need yes voters. And the thing is, you know, my big thing is bringing people together. So people involved in my campaign are, couldn't they be further away than each other in those two issues? But they, you know, they want to work together because there is actually, we do care about more together than, than that, that one issue. Uh, the I stuff we can achieve together. Aye, there is, there is. You know, it's like the, the back of your Labour Party membership card says, by the strength of your common endeavour, we achieve more together than we do alone. Um, and, you know, the point the point we made earlier on about England being being so divergent, I actually we need to break that down because I think it does, isn't it? Uh, you know, Manchester, you know, Liverpool, large yeah, parts yeah. of North Wales, you know, mm -hmm. London, you know, there's these, it, 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 the problem, I mean, the part of the system, we have this broken system of government with first past the post, which means the Tories can win a majority government, we're nothing close to even a, a half a majority of the votes, so, yeah. you know, part of Labour's, Labour's Labour's Labour and Keir said he's going to Keir will be the first Prime Minister going to election and say, I'm going to take power away from me and give it to you, Um I also, you know, one of the big things, you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm a democratic socialist, you know, and I, I, I'm a constitutional geek as well. You know, we do need to, we do need to change how power and wealth and sovereignty shared in these islands. Mm -hmm. You know, the UK, 
it, you know, Mark Drakeford, who's the First Minister of Wales, says the UK is a voluntary association of nations. I, I, I subscribe to that point of view. Um, you know, it, 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 it's not permanent. You know, it has to, at the end of the day, I want the UK to work. I want it to work for people in Glasgow, I want it to work for people in Liverpool. Yep. But the problem is, it's never going to work until we get rid of the Tories. And another, just come back to the point about devolution isn't working right now because it was designed for when a time in our politics when the UK government and the Scottish government were basically the same and agreed in all this. So the mm. system of government needs needs actually to be updated and we need to have a way where, you know, I mean, ideally I'd like it, we could design it away so there'd never be another Tory government. Uh, but I don't know if I could get that through. But, you know, at the end civil of the day, it needs, it needs, well, it feels <laughs> like a civil war sometimes already. Um, the culture aye. war, as they're calling it. Eh? Oh, um, I, I, honest, if I could, aye, that word, Jesus, culture war. Horrible. The culture wars. I think, like, um, what you what what you're saying there, I, I believe, is that we need to get back to politicians representing people, like the politicians. The ideals. Yeah, they're, they're they're driven by ideologies and also they want to maximise business, but they've somewhere along the way they shifted away from actually like representing the people that vote for them and representing the people that fund them, and I feel like this is where it needs to turn. So, like hearing you say stuff like. We need to constitutionally like look at the balance of like power and money, and that's all like basically like singing for my hymn sheet, really, because that's what I want. And I feel like, uh, and this is this is like my own personal view is is that the SNP aren't that much better than what we've got or what we've had no. down south. Out with them, maybe Boris and his pals, like, but they only that I mean, much the- better. The current stance on the potential for another referendum is. I mean, it's bullshit straight out of the Trump playbook. I mean, they've been it's been in manifesto pledges previously. It's been roundly rejected. Like, I don't get why third time or fourth time or however many times we've tried it, it'll, it'll be the charm this time. So, like, I mean, Aye. the notion is... I, I mean, again, I, I don't know what your opinion on it is, Kieran, but it seems like an unrealistic notion that a Holyrood majority is going to secure another independence referendum. So the keystone of the campaign is an absolute falsehood. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I, I'm not saying I think it's acceptable that we can have a we can have a prime minister that ignores. Uh, I mean, let, let's just get it straight. The person that will destroy the UK is Boris Johnson. You know, he is. He is. I you know, so. I've, 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 I, well, I I, I respect <laughs> that point of view. I'm just worried about all the damage you might do. You know, well, while trying to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but I, I mean, I just have to look at something like the internal market bill. Like the man, the man is an absolute abomination. Like I, even before you get into any of the sort of horrendous social political, see, just, like just Disney, Disney respect devolution. Disney respect the idea that different parts of the UK should be different countries of the UK. Our nations have the right to determine determine policies best suited to their to their needs. You know, it, it, it's, you know, I grew up with devolution, so that 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 approach is not just alien; it's actually offensive to me. Um, and the people, and you know, you get all these Scottish Tory, but and particularly in Wales, you're like, oh, let, let's cancel devolution; it'll solve all the problems. What are they smoking? You know, this like it's the settled will of the Scottish people, and it's the settled will of the people of Wales, and uh, obviously Ireland has a very bespoke. Um, arrangement, uh, which mm. which is which is really really important, um, the Good Friday Agreement, of course. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think you know, at the end of the day, Boris needs to go. Um, and mm-hmm. the, I, I, I chat Tories always go, oh, you can't trust Labour with the you know the Tories try to you know appeal to the lowest common denominator. Absolutely, go, you can't you can't you can't trust Labour. Right. I'm, I'm sorry, not Labour, only the ones that are willfully destroying. 
you know, this the, they, they call it the precious union. You wouldn't know for the way they act about it, the, <laughs> the damage they do to it. Um, Maybe you know, like if, precious in the golem sense, where they're just horrible you know, for a party, for a party, unreasonably. For a party that's sole defining issue is the union, they're terrible. They're, they're, their right. agenda for it is appalling. Yeah, I mean, right. they're just, see what you're saying there with the smoking? They're high on the idea of their supremacy, really. They think that they know better. They still believe in the empire. It's all fucking bullshit that's been written into history books by British people about Britishness and all this nonsense that... that aye. Um, in the 80s, the but that never existed. Aye, and particularly, particularly with our, quite a lot of their English MPs that got in under Johnson, they're, they're Trumpists, like, it's absolutely, you know, it's, it's, there's no two ways about it, they're absolute, aye. they're borderline fascistic at times, um, and... yeah. You know, there's I only mean, one way to deal with that sort of politics. And all the rest of it is just, aye, aye, well, I mean, I, mean, I, had, like, I had, I had an argument with my own party about that. You know, it is, it is horrific. Um, you know, like, and it's, it's really, really concerning. You know, what, what this, what, what they've tried to get away with while COVID's been going on. Um, but fun, just this won't come as a shock to you. I, I do not trust the Tories as far as I can throw them. And no. You, you could say I'm, I'm, I'm predispositioned at that point of view, but my experience of, of dealing with them. Uh, is backed up by that. Um, mm. So, I think as we talk about like areas where you know, although there's things that we clearly disagree on, I think we've covered enough constitutional stuff to like probably you know cover us for quite a few weeks. Um, one of the areas that I think our you know interests align in terms of our reluctance to stay part of the UK, but also your position within the Labour Party and movement, and and that's workers' rights. Um, I obviously have wanted to comment on this for a wee while, but I need to be quite careful given that I'm a previous British gas employee. Um, so, you know, what we're talking about here is like Brexit deals. I mean, hire and fire. I mean, some of the, the practices that are coming in are like square in the pure centre spot of what we need the Labour Party to step up and protect us with. Yeah. Is it not? Aye. No, definitely. And, I, you know, at the end of the day... Um... I think that's one of the real regrets why we're no longer in the EU. And you know, I remember I remember campaigning to stay in Europe and then following that when you know we thought it was possible to stop Brexit, that you know, can you trust a Tory government with workers' rights? And I had Lexi Tears laughing at me. Um nobody's laughing now. Uh, so you're completely right. I think, you know, at the end of the day, um you can't you can't trust them with workers' rights, and that actually it's one of the biggest arguments for why I de de devolve employment law to Scotland. Um, no, no, so there's a there's a we're, it's a bargain basement, and we're all fighting to cut standards. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Michael D Higgins, who's the president of Ireland, gave a speech in the Doyle uh, when they passed the, the the minimum wage, and it's one of the best speeches I've ever watched. And you know, he talks about a floor by which no worker can fall. Um, that's the way I I, I would. Adopt a powers model, you know. There's there's a there's a UK standard that should be pretty high, you know, but you know it can be topped up if, if there's the desire to do that. And what's happening in um, with British Gas, uh, and I'll I'll declare an interest as a GMB shop steward, uh, and and my mate Hazel's basically running the strike. Um, All right. So what are we um, at? Like twenty day twenty three day twenty seven. Yeah, like I know it's it's broken up here different things, but it, you know it, it it's just. It's like something that the Victorian era, you know. I, I've been I've been hired and refired when I was a fast food worker. I was I was we got moved over and I lost hundreds of pounds of holiday pay as a result, and we couldn't do anything about it. So it's a, it's a really really old tactic, um, and it needs it's one of these things like why did we no ban this? Uh, there's quite a few laws that the last Labour government didn't change, and the Labour movement holds up its hands like right. We were too happy when we won. We actually probably should have changed a few more things. You know, we've got the strictest trade union laws in Europe. 
um, that that can go on. So I think you know I think the point about workers' rights is crucial, um, and you know, that goes into so many things. It's not just about stopping hire and refire; it's about valuing workers. So you know, we loads of people, particularly politicians, were, were clapping for the NHS. You know, on Thursday it was great, but won't vote to give them a pay rise. I won't vote to give care workers a wage they should always have been paid. Um, so it goes into our fund. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a trade unionist. I'm a shop steward. Um, workers' rights fundamentally crucial to my politics, um, and we don't talk. Not enough people talk about it. Um, even even in the Labour, you know, it's quite funny. There's some people in the Labour Party go, you know, you took look at like the, the, the issues going on in schools in England, and then potentially striking and going, oh well, you know, we have to we have to take it. We can't can just be on the side of unions. You remember the Labour Party? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in the name. The Labour yeah. Party is, is the political wing of the trade union movement. It's yeah, not the other way around. So, do you want to, you know, put down whatever you've been drinking and then sober up a bit and come back? Um, so, aye, but the, what's happening in British Gas, and I don't know if you saw, you, saw, you might have saw the leaked video of the one of the high hegians in British Gas going, Oh, it's been great, you know, because all the COVID deaths, nobody's picked up in this strike. And like, like, these are people that are paid. That's mental. I, no, oh, look up, look up. I'll, I'll send it on to you, you know, basically in a Zoom meeting, go, you know, there's no been any because of the COVID deaths. I mean, I can't, it was something else, you know, the election, the American election, nobody's picked up in the strike. And, and you know, Gary Smith, who, who's who's a, uh, a good mate of mine, who's the uh, GMB Scotland secretary, who used to work, who was the national officer for the GMB and gas at a UK level, went absolutely through them. You know, at the end of the day, this is uh, it's absurd that a big, yeah. you know, a company that is meant to be, you know, providing a public service is treating its staff like this, um, and all power to comrades and uh, British gas and Scottish gas that are fighting, you know, uh, fighting for, you know, what's right. And you know, I, I don't think it's unreasonable, and I. It, just in the point about workers' rights, one of the other things, you know, a bit of unfinished business for me is uh, getting jobs back to the Caroline Springburn. Um, you okay. know, it's just like, uh, uh, we got to this point in our politics in Scotland where we don't stand with workers and their struggles. I, I, I just don't, and I don't mean, I mean the Labour Party and the trade unions did, but other, I don't know how you could, you could stand by and watch, you know, Workers leave a site like for the last time. 170 jobs lost, something like that. Over, over 200. You know, the, site, the, site, the site had been active for over 146 years. Um, and my dad was there 30 of them. Oh, is it? Oh, I, I don't uh, know that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just this thing like we don't we don't stand with workers and, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, if we could do something, we would. And it's all, it's this whole sort of like lazy, fair attitude that, uh, a polity in Scotland that just isn't cutting it anymore. It can't cut it anymore in a post-COVID world. You know, we can't go back to the situation where governments are, oh, you know, maybe we could do something, but we can't, you know, it's like, yes, Minister, it's like the five stages of maybe we'll do something or maybe we won't. <laughs> um, it's just, it, it's mad. Uh, so, aye, but bottom line is, um, British Gas, Scottish Gas, if you hadn't done already, please support the strike. Uh, stop, the Brit- stop the Great British Gas Fire. Um and, you know, at the end of the day, make sure that these workers, get, they're not being unreasonable. They're just asking to be treated fairly like everyone else. And yep. the, the thing is, big companies think they can get away with it and they're in for a bloody shock. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really only asking for their contracts to be honoured, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Aye, they're just, uh, we, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, you're getting a wider point about how employment is not a meeting of equals, you know, it's not a partnership. You know, there is there is an employer who takes advantage. Um, but it, it, the demand, it's no like, their demands are most moderate, let's put it that way. You know, all they want is the terms and conditions that their unions negotiated and that the employer agreed to. At the end of the day, whenever this happens, it's to it's to it's to line the line the pockets of shareholders and you know, fatten already quite fat cats 
Um, there's no a business case for changing terms and conditions of hardworking, you know, employees or staff. It, it's it's sometimes it's ideological, but mostly it's just because people who are already ridiculously wealthy would like a bit more. Yeah, that's it's almost like <clears throat> if they don't continue record growth, record profit margins. Aye. And it, like I remember reading an article where it was like disaster for Centrica. They only made seventeen billion last year, and you're Aye. like, wait, Aye. wait a minute, like wait a fucking minute. They're starting to lay people off because they made twenty billion the year before, and they're only making seventeen billion this year. And you're like, this is where capitalism has started to like unravel in itself. Like, is uh, we heard that. Uh, how dare you speak about unlimited growth? And this is the problem: is is that they want to keep growing and keep making mm. more money, more money, one more of the, money. One of the, one of the things that always sticks with you regards to that that system, you know, capital. No, going to um, capitalism, but growth for the sake of growth might be the logic of capitalism. It's also the logic of a, a cancer cell. You know, it's but, but that's it. it. It just it can only grow so much. It can only I, get so big before, like it's, it's a really it's, it, it, and you know it's it's a it's a pass over a you know Thatcherism. This idea that you know. Growth, 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 growth. Um, what are we growing? What are we building? And if it's if it's no, and it, you know, it's when people talk. The Tories said build back better and like that. I mean, things were pretty shite before the pandemic. Um, I, I don't want to be the guy that. that makes up their three word slogans. He must be getting paid an absolute fucking fortune, by the way. Like. Uh, probably, probably <laughs> the taxpayer, or not. Um, <laughs> I do you know. What I mean, it's just it's just about like where where. Uh, this idea that like what happened before was was a good way of doing it. You know, I can't wait for things yeah. to go back to normal. Uh-huh. Um, I'm like that. It, it, it makes my skin crawl. You know, it really does. I'm like that. How, how how lucky do you need to be to have been totally oblivious to the to the insecurity that the vast majority of people in Glasgow, in Scotland, across the UK have to deal with in their daily lives? Mm-hmm. I mean, had COVID has like... exposed them all. You know what I mean? Like it should yeah. it should be a, a you know an almost map for us for the things that we need to target yeah, now. I I well we need to you know I, I just hope so. Um, but we need people that are going to make that point. Absolutely, mate. And that just goes back to like the sort of Trumpian, like make America great. And you're like, what 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 era do you want to pick? Do you know Aye. what I mean? Like what, what are you trying to get back to? Like what do you want to go back to being able to beat up your wife and know how they're coming or, or, or when or when segregation was like, I think that's the thing, you know, particularly, particularly particularly in the right of politics, you know, they talk about, you know, or you know, in the good old day and stuff, and it's a bit like what what about that do you want back? And it's always yeah. you know the whole thing about the 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 pace of change in conservatism is a and is, is a snail's pace. You know they're trying to maintain a system that's slowly falling apart. I, I just don't get people as about their politics. Like, what are you trying to sustain? Because it's no making nobody's life's getting any better. Yeah, yeah. it's like conservatism. What are we conserving? Like, Aye, what? well it's, it's the same. It's uh, you know I say the same thing about, about the SNP. I'm like, what what's so good at the minute? That what are we what are we trying to do? You know what? What is what is our defining mission? What are we what are we trying to achieve? It's about, and you just don't. I just don't see it for anyone. It's just, oh God! Look at. I mean, could go down a hole there probably. No, we, yeah, I think we're getting pretty close to the time anyway. So, um, and wrapping up, you know, if anybody's listening in and thinking to themselves like, I can go on board with us. Like, I, I like that. You know, Labour is trying to push progressive ideas. There is clearly like stuff about you know workers' protections and rights that. Would be pretty hard to disagree with like if somebody's so inspired how can they get themselves involved with the campaign 
Twitter, Facebook, email me. Going, I mean, I'm Kieran, Kieran O'Neill. Just Google that weird spelling, but you'll figure it out eventually. Um, <laughs> and get involved in the camp because you know I, I say this all the time. Like the campaign isn't my camp; it's everyone that gets involved. And you know, there's a there's a really really good team in Maryhill and Springburn, a, a labour activist, and some people who might not be labour activists, but but are helping us out. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, folk folk might want to say, oh, this election, all the tides of history are only flowing in one direction, apparently. Uh, I don't buy that, and I think it could happen. And we're certainly going to throw the kitchen sink at it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. I think anybody that has had any sort of, you know, inclinations to buy into it, and we've spoken about the day, like, needs to start thinking about second votes and stuff like that, because I think two votes SNP is an absolute joke, and I think there's other parties like yourself making great arguments that can allow balance in the parliament and hopefully allow us to, you know, Providing their balance in the legislation as well. Um, no, definitely. I think, you know, the fact is, like I said before, I don't think an SNP majority government's good for anyone. I would urge everyone to do both votes Labour. I realise not everyone's going to do that. But, you know, like I always say, you know, the Labour Party has changed. It will continue to change until we win back the trust of people we lost. And, you know, I, I, I know I know we've said this all the time, but give us a chance and, and we'll do our best. You know, all we're asking for is a chance to serve and to try and make a difference and to improve people's lives. Um, and it's not just me doing that. There's candidates over Glasgow or Scotland, um, both in the constituents and the list that are trying to do that. Um, and I, we don't agree on everything, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all agree we want we want a better, fairer and a more just country. And the only way you get that is by voting for it. Amazing, mate. Outstanding. Well, thank you very much, mate. Appreciate it. That's time. been great. Really appreciate it. I made a promise to not to you So stop the party I tried to reconcile A life I lived a while Just stop the party to be unhappy with a life to call my